Welcome to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast once again. I'm Carol Malinsky, Director of Content and Curriculum, and very happy to be here with you this morning. And joining me is my leader and also my friend, Mr. Art Barter. Hey, Carol. How are we doing this morning? We're doing great. Good, good. So we're, we're in the morning in California, so if you're listening, to, you know, just, just make it whatever it is in in your listening space. So right, anyway, right. Your terms. We're, we're kind of in a rare mood this morning, so uh, we've been we've already had a lot of fun. So uh, thanks, Carol, for uh, being here, and uh, you know, look forward to spending the next uh, uh, 30, 40 minutes with you. Yeah, that's great. What we're doing this morning, um, just to kind of clue our listeners in, is um, we're going to start a, a concept here, which is going through. Art's latest book, The Art of Servant Leadership 2, chapter by chapter with you and giving you a chance to hear from him with regard to the information and the the ideas and the stories that are in that book. So our goal will be to travel chapter by chapter because it really is a guide for implementing servant leadership and changing the culture of your organization. Right. So to get us started, the, the probably the first important question is, why the heck did you write The Art of Servant Leadership <laughs> yeah. too? Um, you know, I, I was asked quite a few times to tell the story of Datron, what we went through, um, how we approached it. And we can talk about the training we developed and how we trained employees, but this story is more from my eyes and... Mm-hmm my own personal transformation along with the transformation of individuals around me in the company as well as the transformation in the organization. So it really is we take those three stories and combine them into one and say how how on earth are when you sat in the CEO role uh, purchasing a company and how did you go about this and what did you see and what were your observations and so this is my recollection of the journey Mm. and the points that uh, were special to me and special to the people around me and to the organization. So a little bit of everything in yeah, this, in this yeah. story. Um, for our the people in our audience who might not know about Daytron, would you just real briefly give us a thumbnail of what is Daytron? Oh, sure. Uh, Daytron was started back in the 1970s, well before I was involved. Um, they make... We make radios, uh, both high frequencies, which is we can communicate over the horizon, uh, halfway around the world, or uh, VHF, which is stands for very high frequency, and that's line of sight communication. So radios you see police carry, uh, etc. Those are VHF radios. Um, we're the ones that take the big antennas that you'll see around airports. That's high frequency, which is long distance. Uh, we serve security personnel around the world, and what's a little bit different with Daytron is 90% of our business is done outside the United States, and so we mm. deal with a lot of different countries, uh, about 80 uh, over the last 20 years, 
every country is different, has a different culture, has a different way of doing business. And, you know, we share with listeners about how we meet people where they are. Well, we have to meet our customers where they are, and that's usually in a foreign country. So um, I joined the company in 1997 as the CFO. Uh, I love to build things. I always have loved to build things. So I've been an operations uh, person as well. After a, a year or so, um, took over responsibility for operations and worked in that capacity until 2003. Um, I went through a sale to Titan here in uh, San Diego uh, from Datron Systems, our parent company at the time I joined. And after three or four years, was had the opportunity to become general manager. And a year later, had an opportunity to buy the company uh, from Titan and take it from part of being a public company to being a private standalone company uh, that we owned. And that in itself is an interesting story <laughs> to tell. Uh, we don't have time for that today, but we serve customers in the international marketplace. We don't sell to security personnel here in the United States. We focus on international. And that's the fascinating part of our, our business is, you know, implementing servant leadership in the U.S. Is, has turned out to be very interesting and at times difficult. And overseas, there's just a hunger for servant leadership in areas that would just shock you if mm -hmm. I told you about people who've, who've asked me to talk about servant leadership in their countries. And, you know, I've, I've asked people, why do you think there's so much success in foreign countries with servant leadership? And the response comes back is they're hurting more than we're hurting here in the United States. They, mm -hmm. They're hurting so much individually. They're hurting mm -hmm. so much organizationally that they're looking to change because they're just having a difficult time day in and day out. And, you know, we deal in a lot of emerging countries, and so the pain is relatively high. We witness that pain day in and day out when we travel. And here in the United States, guess what? The, the pain level isn't there yet that's driving a good portion of our society in the United States to look at a different way of leading. And it, it's a very interesting concept because most of us doing leadership development uh, are are doing more and being more successful outside the United States than here in the United States uh, by itself. Now, part of Datron's transition after we implemented servant leadership, and, and there's a lot of things you'll learn in the book, but after we implemented it, people asked us to share our, our knowledge on, on what we did there. And... And we agreed to do that. And the best way to do that, we thought, was to create the Servant Leadership Institute. Mm -hmm. So for those listening to you, we didn't start the Servant Leadership Institute to become a consulting company or leadership development company. We started it to share our knowledge of what we learned in implementing Servant mm -hmm. Leadership, what we learned about what people struggle with, in making a change in the culture of a company and what they struggled with individually during that transformation, that culture in the company. And everybody has challenges, including me. So I was going through challenges, my senior team, my middle management team, all the people in the company. And as a leader, how do you pull all that together and still get results 
Well, everybody's going through this transformation and culture change. And so Servant Leadership Institute was the started to share that knowledge of what we learned in implementing servant leadership. Mm. Um, and we sometimes we call it leadership development, but really is just sharing our story. Yeah. 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 Well, let's get started with chapter one. And I wanted to just share with people, if you have questions, um, please send us those questions. You can email them to info at servantleadershipinstitute.com. And as we progress through the chapters, we will answer your questions over the podcast. Right. So um, just wanted to let you all in on that. And let's get started with chapter one, which is called Create and Communicate. And this chapter, are, to me, is really about finding meaning and purpose in our lives and how that affects us in our organizations. Um, so my question for you is, what does purpose have to do with our lives and particularly our working lives? You know, <laughs> when I was coming up, mm-hmm. no one talked about purpose in their job. You got a job, you went to work, you got money to pay the bills, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, right. yeah. And, uh, you know, you were fortunate if you... you uh, Somebody talked about purpose to mm-hmm. you. Right, right. Yeah. It, it's interesting. When I was going to school, and I, I graduated high school in 72 and graduated college in 79, people said, well, you took an extra year, Art. And I said, no, I earned two degrees at the same time. <laughs> um, and so I was working at Disney, Disneyland in Anaheim at the time. And they had a great great university there called Disney University where they taught you about the company etc and you know I I don't recall them talking about purpose Hmm. and you know later on when I started doing some research um, after we implemented servant leadership at Daytron I started doing some some research on purpose statements mission statements Mm -hmm. and when I was working there their purpose in life was to make people smile now, what I, what I thought fascinating about it, it didn't say they were in the amusement park business. Right. They didn't say they did rides or serve food or sell merchandise. They said, when you walk in the gates, we want to make people smile. And, of course, Ken Blanchard said, hey, <clears throat> excuse me, don't, don't give me a five-page mission and purpose <laughs> yeah. statement because I'll use it to go to sleep at night. I'll keep it on my nightstand. We right. always remember that. But... <clears throat> really, it starts with why do you do what you do? Mm. And a lot of companies will say, well, we're in business to make money for our shareholders. Yeah. And I go, that's the result of why you do what you do. Why do you actually do what you do? Um, but what we find fascinating is a lot of people don't know why they do what they do. And you mentioned the time early in my career, same time frame you're talking about is you went to work for a company, you stayed working with them for about 10 years, you focused your entire life on working there, um, and I don't recall very many companies taking time to go, this is why we do what we do. Now, I could guess, but when we bought Daytron, we, we asked ourselves, why do we do what we do? And people always ask me, Art, how do you take servant leadership to this security world that we live in? And I says, it's pretty easy. Our purpose is, is 
Our goal is to save lives. Now, our purpose at Daytron is to positively impact the lives of others today and in the future. So we do that through our products. We do that through our service with people. Um, but what's interesting is if people don't know what their purpose is in life, well, you've got to start with yourself first. Why are mm -hmm. you here? I, I didn't get caught up in servant leadership until probably 2003. And so I spent 45 years of my life trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I thought I did when I left college. That really wasn't good. And, <laughs> you know, it took me a long time. So there's a lot of people who don't know what their purpose is in life. And I would encourage people to look at what they like to do, look what makes them smile, what really gets them excited about getting up and going to work in the morning. And you're getting close to your, your what we call our, your why. Mm -hmm. And when you find your why, you're, you'll find your way. And so that purpose in corporations is what's your why? Why do you do what you do? And when you find that why, you're going to find your way and, and figure out a way to serve the people that you want to serve. And so when people don't have purpose, that's when people will wander. Yeah. And they'll wander for as long as you let them wander. And if you don't lead an organization with purpose from your heart, you, people are going to go wander wherever they, they need to go to do their job. And, you know, that at times doesn't create the results you're looking for, or they create results in the wrong way. Mm. So purpose is very, very important because how do you get in, in front of your employees and say, this is why we do what we do? And that's a real important thing to communicate to people. Yeah, yeah. So we mentioned one of the ways that we communicate meaning and purpose is through that mission statement. What do you? Th what elements do you think make for a good mission statement that will be meaningful for people? I think number one, you have to keep it short. Yeah. All right. So I look <laughs> at some statements that are you know fifteen twenty. Yeah sentences long or two and three pages, I think you can distill it down a little bit more. Now, we combine our mission and purpose. Mm -hmm. Our mission is to be a profitable, self-sustaining communications company. That's it. That's our mission. So we don't believe in debt. We know that we have to get results or we can't sustain ourselves uh, for the long term. Uh, so that's our mission, to be a self-sustaining, profitable communications company. And then we add the purpose to positively impact the lives of others mm -hmm. today and in the future. And so we combine the two. Why is that so important? Because how you get results is more important than the results themselves. But we ask ourselves, what's the most important thing from a mission that we have to accomplish in order to live our purpose and and accomplish that. Well, we have to be self-sustaining. We can't rely on anybody else through a bunch of acquisitions and debt. Uh, and we have to be self-sustaining and profitable. And those are the two key things that allow us to do our purpose. Yeah. Um, and people understand that. It's real easy to grasp. That was just what I was going to say yep. to you was... With that mission and purpose, because I've, I've seen this in action as an employee of Daytron, it's, it makes it so easy 
to answer those questions you have. Is what we're doing going to make us profitable and self-sustaining and allow us to positively impact people? Right. Um, you know, when you deal with those concise things, it's very easy for people, no matter where they work in the organization, to understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and that's the – when you simplify it and get it down to basics, then people can grab onto it. Mm-hmm. They can – Live it. Now you have to give them a vehicle to live it, mm. and, and you know we'll. I think we'll talk about that in a minute. But if you don't have that purpose, you don't have that mission. Um, like I said earlier, people are going to wander, and you're going to wander as a leader, and that's not good for your organization. Yeah, yeah. So it's one thing to have a mission statement that reflects that noble, a noble purpose, but what about living what you stand for? which is one of your topics in the book. Can you give us an example or two of the companies, your, either one of your companies or both, living out the mission statement? Well, you know, when we, when we developed that mission and purpose, uh, we had to ask ourselves, okay, if this is what we're going to do and the why, um, then what's the way? Hmm. How are you going to do it? Yeah. So we can talk about our own behaviors, what we talk about as leaders, um, how we get results. We can go through all that, but we wanted to give our employees a way to live this in the communities we do business in uh, or where they came from, from a cultural standpoint. Mm. And so in 2005, we started the Daytron Charitable Fund. Now, we had a couple of things that were required. We didn't want to create a foundation because we didn't want to put money into running it from a legal perspective. So we decided on a donor advised fund with Fidelity. Now, what that does for us is we get to focus on living the purpose instead of managing the fund. Mm. All right, I don't have to spend money on that. There's some fees, but the fees are real reasonable. But here's how we let our employees live that purpose. We said, whatever money goes into this fund, and, and the calculation we use is 10% of our offering profit every quarter. Now you gotta have you have to have profits or yeah. you can't contribute. Right. So it's not a revenue, it's on profits. Um, but we only take requests on where that money goes from our employees. We let them decide where that money goes. Now it has to be a nonprofit, has to be in good standing with, with the IRS, has to be a US nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But we made it very simple. There's a one sheet of paper that's basically says who here's who I want to give it to. Here's the reason why. Short description. I don't need a book. I just right. need a paragraph. And then there's a certification that you're not going to benefit from this contribution. Um, and when an employee submits that, and they're able to give away five or ten thousand dollars to an organization that that means something to them, now they're able to give back to the people that have helped them or their families. In some instances, people who have come here from overseas, they give back to their countries and their communities uh, there um, through nonprofits here in the United States. But now people have a way to go, you know what, I helped earn this money and some portion of it I get to give away. Mm-hmm. And that was the vehicle we gave our employees to live the purpose. Now, I wish every employee used that. Not everybody understands what that's going on. And some people... I'll be honest with you, some people would rather have the company put that money in their paycheck 
mm-hmm. than in the charitable fund. But putting it in a paycheck doesn't allow me to live my purpose. Right. So you have to give employees a vehicle to do that. Now, we give them a vehicle in selling products, delivering products. But since we do business overseas, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they don't get to see the look on customers' faces. Right. They don't get to experience what our product does on the ground. We have probably 10, 15 people that travel the world. Uh, so they, they don't get to see that. And that's why what we did was so important is give back to the communities, give back to their countries, uh, help people that are close to them. Now they get to participate that in that. Yeah. Uh, because they, they can't travel overseas and see that. Yeah. Um, tell us Sarah's story about with the charitable fund. Sarah is pretty special. And Sarah, if you're listening to this, I love your heart. Um, she put a request in for an orphanage for blind seniors and blind children, I believe, um, in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? It, it was yes. Vietnam, right? Yes. And she had a heart to help those people. Uh, we were able to find a nonprofit here in the United States, or I think she probably found them, that that helped that orphanage. Mm-hmm. We gave money. They were thrilled. Uh, she came back again uh, the following year. Came back again the following year, and I think we, I think probably gave either five or ten thousand over that three-year period. Now, here's what people don't realize, and you know, I've traveled the world and I, I see it all the time. What we think about here as being a small amount of money changes lives in foreign yes. countries. And the picture that just reinforced that with me was a picture of the orphanage with the seniors and children and workers standing in the front of the building with a big sign across the top of the building, thank you, Daytron. Now, that just gives me chills just sitting here talking about it because we've impacted some lives. Now, we didn't give very much money, but they were able to put in a brand new kitchen. They were able to buy clothes for everybody in the orphanage. Um, They may have even been able to repair the building and do some things. and. You know, when we think about that, you go, we impacted some lives that meant something to our employees. Mm -hmm. Now, when employees get to participate in that, and in Sarah's case, she gave back to the country she came from. Right. um, Into an organization that was close to our heart. Sarah's still here. Sarah's not going to go anywhere. (laughs) Now, we don't do that for that reason. But when you impact people's lives, when you know your why, you find your way, and you help people around the world, you can't forget that. And it touches your heart in ways. And what I like to say in the introduction of the book, if if you've read the introduction, is the transformation that I see goes on around me has the biggest effect on my own transformation, Mm. on how I see people and how I appreciate their hearts. Um, so, yeah. did I get a little off track there? Or did no, I, you yeah, didn't, yeah. not at all. And I wanted to add one other thing to that story because it's, to me, it's just so meaningful. 
as Sarah was doing this, and she, I, I also believe that she did go and visit there, um, her children are watching her. Absolutely. Yep. She has two daughters. Mm-hmm. The kids are watching, and she watched her own children then as they grew become involved in giving back to the community here. Right. And so when we do things like this, when we give through the charitable fund, through so many other efforts that people make, we sometimes don't realize that it is generational. Right. And that it just keeps passing on from one to the other to the other. There's always a, a ripple effect. There is. There is. And uh, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about a story that the company and its products helped out. Sure. Uh, same way, lived their purpose. When Katrina hit uh, down the Gulf of Mexico and just devastated um, people in Louisiana, mm-hmm. we had an employee come to me and say, hey, can we donate some radios to the National Guard in Louisiana? I said, sure, give them a call. Well, nobody was answering the phone right. They were too busy um, pulling people off of, off of roofs and trying to save people yeah. and do things. So. Uh, he contacted the National Guard here in California and said, hey, will you guys like some radios? Uh, we'll donate them. And, and, the, and the gentleman they talked to said, absolutely. We've got a C-130 uh, scheduled to go down in a day and a half. We have a communications trailer. We're trying to put things together. And so we said, what would you like? They had HF, VHF, uh, public safety. And the gentleman came to me and said, Art, Here's the equipment list they want, but they need it delivered by the end of the day tomorrow. And he says, do you want me to go through the normal process? I said, like putting in a sales order and going through the process. I said, no, we don't need to do that. I said, you're going to be dealing with enough red tape with the government. We're dealing (laughs) with the government. (laughs) Don't let our own red tape get in the way. Uh, I said, go get the equipment ready. So the next morning, they had all the equipment together, all tested, ready to go, packed up. We contacted the California National Guard and said, we're going to come down. We don't have a way to get that up to Sacramento right now, but hey, we're going to figure that out. So, you know, we're in Vista. We have an empty lot across, across from us. So I first thought, well, let's, let's land a Black Hawk helicopter. <laughs> that wasn't a great idea in, a, in an industrial slash community to land a Black Hawk military aircraft in the middle of, of town. They tried to get something down at Miramar, couldn't get approval, too much red tape, and the guy says, um, I, can't, I can't figure out a way to get this up there. And I said, let's go to the local airport um, over at Palomar, and we'll, we'll find a way. And so we got in the parking lot. I went around to all the different charter companies that chartered aircraft, and I found one that took my call and I said, hey, listen, I'm trying to get equipment up to Sacramento. I need an aircraft. I need it now. And they said, give me 30, 45 minutes and we'll see what we can do. They called back and said, we have a King Air that we can fly everything up. How much do you have? I told them how much it will fit. <laughs> so the gentleman who started all this and myself, we loaded all the radios into the King Air, got on the plane that night and flew it up and met the general of the California National Guard on the tarmac. He backed up his Suburban, 
we loaded everything up and he said, Art, we thank you. I, we don't know anybody who would have done this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from my perspective, I watched my team put all this stuff together. And my role that, that afternoon and evening was to make sure that the employees were able to live that experience by completing that delivery. Mm. And there wasn't mm-hmm. any way in the world I was going to say no. Now, that decision probably cost me uh, about $5,000. Yeah. But you know what? It was worth it. Um, and about a year and a half, two years later, the National Guard brought their communications trailer down, and we had a potluck uh, barbecue that day, and they showed the employees the communications trailer, showed where their radios went, talked about how it helped the people in Louisiana. And, you know, when you make that circle and let them live the purpose and don't get caught up in your own red tape, now people know that the company's serious about living their purpose. Right. Because now they put their own equipment on the line. They let them break all the rules so we could get it done in less than 24 hours and get it delivered because the need was so great that we weren't going to say no because the red tape got in the way within our own organization. So... That's how the company lives the purpose, and we also give the ability to let um, the employees uh, right. do that. Now, our leadership team, we, we went to Hawaii. You were part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided to live our purpose there. We painted libraries in Hawaii. Uh, senior center. Senior center we painted and took care of. Uh, we, we got to the point where we wanted to give back to people uh, that helped us enjoy a week of, of team building. and. Those times were very special because we had people in the community go, what are you guys doing here? You got a bunch of people who are tourists painting a library or painting a senior one. Don't you have anything better to do? <laughs> no, we don't because this is, this is what's so special. So, yeah. yeah. So you've helped people to find their why mm-hmm. and as a result find their way and... Um, You've created an environment that is just ripe for servant leadership. It is servant leadership in action, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, it is. We we serve people, um, and I've shared this story with you about two years ago. A retired uh, general from Jordan. We do a, a lot of business there. He came to me at a trade show in London and. He said, Art, I have a I have a coin that we only made a hundred of. It's it's a commemorative coin about the Great Revolt in his country. Mm-hmm. And he says, I want you and the people of Daytron to have one. And he put it in my hand, grabbed my hand, held on to it, and he says, I want you to know, Art, that you and the people of Daytron have served the country of Jordan more from your heart than any other company we've done business with. Now, that's the best compliment. Daytron could receive from any customer that they've seen our heart and we serve them from our heart and help them meet their mission and purpose in their own country. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And we couldn't have done that without servant leadership. Right. Could could not have done that uh, because we helped Daytron find its why (laughs) after we bought the company. And we found our why, then we found our way. And... It's a very, very powerful um, experience to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. Formula for success, if you ask me. (laughs) Yeah. So you spend time in Chapter 1 talking about communication with a very specific purpose. 
to inspire your employees. Can you elaborate a little bit on what what that kind of communication entails? Sure. You know, when we bought the company, I think I use an example from, I think it was Mark Twain, who said, you know, opportunity sometimes comes disguised. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, this is not verbatim. Uh, and sometimes it comes dressed in overalls and requires a lot of hard work. And I think the day after we closed the deal on the company, the following Monday, we closed on Friday, the following Monday or Tuesday, we got everybody together and said, you know what, this is an opportunity that's dressed in overalls and it's going to require a lot of hard work. <laughs> and we set the pace right then and there. We set the tone that we're going to, we're going to take this opportunity called Daytron and we're going to take it to heights that it's never been before. Now, we didn't realize how high that was going to go. We just said, we're going to work hard at this. And we started helping the company find its why. Now, when you do that, you have to communicate with people. You have to explain to them the process. You have to explain to them why you, you got to the conclusions. You have to listen to people and their feedback. Um, but as, as the CEO of Daytron at the time, you know how long it took me to communicate people to, to get them to understand why we do what we do, and it's continual. Mm. People that, well, I talked about it at this all-hands meeting. That's not enough. I talked about the staff meeting. It's not enough. Yeah, You've got to keep reminding people of your purpose, your purpose. Positively impact the lives of others today and in the future. People, it's easy for them to remember, but if you don't communicate that from my level, people are going to go, well, Art's not serious about this, so, hey, we're going to sit back and wait for the next great management thing that pops out of a book, uh, we're going to go try that for a little while. Um, and so those times are special because you get a chance to interact with people. Yeah. And, I you, think, and, and, you got, and they have to understand why you do what you do. And it right. isn't one conversation. Yeah. And, and that um, it's almost like, I mean, I saw you as being this constant presence and that message, as you say, continually comes out. Because without that, people have a tendency to, especially when you know some kind of problem arises or crisis arises, they sort of just lose their minds for a minute. Right. And they go back to what they're used to. Right. This is how I do this. And they're off and running. It may not be the best way to get the results you want. So I see you as that uh, sort of guidepost for people with that, that communication message. Yeah, and it, you know, it has to be something that you live as a leader mm -hmm. and you show people you're willing to live as a leader. But more importantly, when you make a mistake in not living your mission mm -hmm. and purpose that you set out, and I will guarantee you, you will make mistakes. <laughs> along the way. Yeah. <laughs> the real challenge is can you admit that mistake yeah. and ask people to help you get better? And that's the transparency side of no one's perfect and you're not going to be perfect at your at your purpose. And you're going to make mistakes. So let people give you feedback on that. Learn from it and get better as a leader. And at the same time, you have to extend grace to them too because this is brand new to everybody in your in your company. They're not going to pick it up overnight. Right. And so that's why it's so important to 
just keep talking about it, sharing experiences on what you've seen. Those are the most powerful um, stories. Is Let's take the story in Vietnam we talked about. We shared that with employees and we showed them the power of serving others and giving back. And when they hear those stories, I could tell them everything I'm gonna do to help them live this mission and purpose. But when they actually see it in action and I'm not involved, mm-hmm. now it's really gonna take off. And this thing is gonna start, I'm gonna use a phrase that some of our listeners may not be familiar with, a tumbleweed gets going, you can't stop it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the power of letting people live it along with you talking about it. You're sharing the stories along the way and the stories of, is what really reinforces your desire to do that. Right, right. So let's shift gears a little bit. As you developed the curriculum for implementing servant leadership, um, you actually designed the nine behaviors of a servant leader. Mm-hmm. And which has become so valuable because it, it ties actual behavior to tr- this change that you want to make in your organization, right? Right. It's a way of saying to people, you know, our expectation is that you're going to behave in these ways. Yeah. And um, that that makes it very understandable for folks, I think. So, what are those nine behaviors, and why are they important? Well, first, let's let's talk about um, how we came up with these, and it, you know, okay. it's 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 important for people to understand. We just didn't sit down and say, "This is what a servant leader is." Yeah. What we did is we had three modules of training that we developed. First one was focused on us as individuals, mm-hmm. helping us trans- transform our own self first. Uh, each module had fifteen hours. Um, I think we did it in three-hour increments over five sessions. The team stayed the same through all those meetings. We didn't mix it up because we, we wanted people to go through this process together mm-hmm. and share their own stories. And we helped some people find their why and share their stories. The second module was about the team, teaching the tra- team how to do this. And then our third one was how do we get people to live this? Now, what we did between... When we completed one and two is we did a survey and we asked people how we did with the training. Uh, We went through that survey, we talked to the trainers, we talked to some key employees, we shared ideas. What did we see impact the transformation the most? And through that process of the training module one, module two, the survey, that's how we solidified these behaviors. Mm. And that's where they came from. This Mm -hmm. is what we've observed in implementing servant leadership that, that really says to us, this is, this is what we saw and experienced the, not the fastest transformation, but the most effective transformation Mm. in people and in teams and in organizations. So here's the nine behaviors. Serve first. And once you have to, you have to decide if you want to, if you want to serve. And we believe that everyone can serve. We believe it's a learned behavior. You don't have to have a natural feeling to do this. Anybody can learn how to serve. Um, It took me 45 years to figure that out. So (laughs) if I can do it, anybody can do it, right? Uh, Second Mm -hmm. is once you do it, you have to build trust with people. Mm -hmm. How do you build trust with people? And if you don't build trust with people, you can't do the rest of the behaviors. 
So, so that's real mm -hmm. key. Third one is you have to know your values and you have to be able to live those values. Now you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. You got to make sure you can be transparent because that's going to impact your trust. Then you've got to listen to understand you've got values, you're building trust. So when I sit with Carol, I go, okay, tell me what I need to do to be better. Tell me what the organization needs to be, to do, to be better. Now I have to listen to understand. And that's, that's until you build trust and know what your values are, it's very difficult to listen to understand. Then we talk about thinking about your thinking. I take what I've, I've heard from you, apply my values and the trust that we have. Now, what am I supposed to take away from that? And the best way for me to do that is reflect about what I've heard, reflect at my own behavior, reflect about the relationship and go, okay, what am I going to do with this? And, and that's what we call think about your thinking. Um, then you add value to, to people, to others. And again, you've got to decide to serve. You've got to decide to build trust. You need to know what your values are. You need to be able to listen. You need to be able to reflect on what that listening is all about. And now you know how to add values. Now, along that way, you're going to have some courageous conversation or you're going to need, need to be courageous yourself. And courageous means that it's easy to talk about the tough conversations we, we need to have with people, but really the courage is now you put all this effort to change yourself. Now you have to have the courage to stay that change, mm. even when criticism is coming from you from multiple directions about this is stupid, this is <laughs> not viable, it's not you know how you get results. You're going to have people tell right. you this is not the right way to do things. And you have to have courage to stand up and say, no, I'm going to live my values. I'm going to treat people with dignity and respect. I'm going to build trust. I'm going to listen to people. And that takes a lot of courage to tell other people who don't want to learn how to do that, mm -hmm. that this is most important to me. And so I'm going to live my life this way. Um, once you've gone through all those and withstood that and said, I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to live those behaviors. Now you're ready to increase your influence with other people. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't start with that. You can't decide to serve and to go, okay, I'm going to serve and now I'm going to influence people. And what we found is these actually build upon each other. Mm. Um, and then the most important thing is don't let it be a short-term change. You have to learn to live your transformation from that point forward. Servant leadership is a long-term change for people and organizations. And you never arrive and say you're, you're a servant leader because there's always room for improvement. Um, organizations go up, organizations go down. Mm -hmm. And we face challenges because there's a lot of things around us we can't control. So don't walk away thinking that if I've created this great culture and communicated this great culture, that it's going to do away with all your problems. It's not. It's probably going to create challenges for you that you never thought you would have. But more importantly, nothing that you thought you could survive and get through. And what I love about the behaviors is it helps you get through the challenges day in and day out because you know who you are, you know why you do what you do, and you have great relationships with people who share the same desire to move forward in this new culture and, and new area. So now, are there other behaviors? Absolutely. But we think those behaviors fit underneath those nine mm -hmm. and get integrated with them. So 
don't take those nine behaviors and say this is you know art says um <laughs> there's a lot of things that i've read with a lot of great great leadership development people experts in their field and i go okay where does this fit into nine behaviors how do i fit this in what do i need to learn from this and so i have a lot of sub behaviors in there but they mean something to me mm-hmm. they mean something to me because i'm the one that's transforming so it's all about me in learning and transforming myself first then it's all about your team and how do you help them get better um and then you've got to learn how to go move it to your hands yeah right so i love what ken says move it from your head take it to your heart mm-hmm. now you got to take your heart to your hands mm. you got to use your hands and serving is all about using your hands but if you don't do it the right way people are not going to believe that you're really in it for the people you're serving you're in it for yourself yeah and and that's a challenge for me being from a a power perspective uh most of my career is is this about me or is it about serving other people that's the reflection that leaders have to go through and ask themselves every day is do I want this to happen because of my own desire to make it happen or is it the best thing I can do for the organization today? Yeah. What is the best thing you can do for your organization, your people today as a leader? Um and once that becomes ingrained in your mind and in your process, then the times that you're going to fall down or going to minimize, they're never going to go away. You're still going to fall down, but you're not going to do it as often. Mm, that's great. That's great. So we're, we're coming to that time where we're going to close out uh, our conversation on Chapter 1. But before we do, you had a great experience about uh, with getting feedback from another leader who became an accountability partner for you, um, specifically about her assessment of the word try. We have leaders who will try servant leadership as a result of this conversation that we're having today, as a result of them reading The Art of Servant Leadership too. So share that story, um, which I think will give the audience some really valuable perspective. Yeah, we were we were in a CEO group that was based out of Atlanta, and it was a group of leaders that got together uh, on the phone primarily mm-hmm. in calls and we were being taught content and then we would engage with each, each other and we rotated and talked to each other through the year and then twice a year we would get together in person in Atlanta and meet and talk and, and we learned together. So this particular person I had gotten to know at one of the face-to-face meetings we had for a couple of days and um, so we got matched up for the month and so we we talked to each other on the phone and she said tell me about the leadership uh that you're trying to accomplish at tatron so i told her and i used some words and um at the end of the conversation she said you know i i there's an opportunity for me to coach you and she says is it okay if i give you some feedback now i i love feedback you know that i i absolutely now i didn't realized that I was going to get positive feedback and negative feedback, all right? (laughs) So what I liked about it is she asked permission first. She listened, and then she says, can I coach you? So the first word was, she said, I didn't hear the word but. Mm 
in in your conversation, which is a good thing. You didn't say, "Well, we're we're going to do this," but um, mm -hmm. my people have good hearts, but she didn't hear any of that. She said, "I want to complicate. I want to excuse me. I want to compliment you on not using that word." And she says, "Now I have another little coaching thing I want to do with you." I said, "Okay." I'm anxious, I got positive, now I'm ready to go, right? I want to get through something <laughs> You're positive. You're feeling real good. She says, well, I, I want to challenge you on the word try. And I said, okay. She said, you used it a couple times. And she said, do you really know what the word try means? And she busted me, basically, <laughs> in a very nice way, and challenged me to eliminate that from my conversation. Now, you know me, Carol, I, I need to go back and look at definitions. So, I looked it up in the dictionary after I got off the phone. And try is defined uh, in the Merriam-Webster dictionary as to make an effort to do something, to attempt to accomplish or complete something, to do or use something in order to see if it works <laughs> or will be successful, to do or use something in order to find out if you like it. Now, there's a lot of... Wow. Will it be successful? Ifs. Yeah. And you know what? It hit me that if I ever said, and I'm sure I did, that we're going to try servant leadership, <laughs> the word try is not a commitment. The word yeah. try says we're going to give it a shot and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, we're going on to something else. And, you know, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday and the impact on me, especially when I started to think about my thinking. And she really got me thinking about that. The next time I saw her, I thanked her for that because it really made a difference in my life. And when you think about it, within the organization, it impacted the organization. But what about within the family? Mm. When you stop telling the person that you love the most that you're going to try to change, or you're going to try to, to be on time, or I'm going to try not to work so much on the weekends. Or more than that is with your children when you tell them you're going to try to do something. Uh, let's try to go to the park this weekend. You know, let's try to go to the beach. And, you know, kids are pretty smart. And they will translate that try into the word no. Mm -hmm. And at some point, those you love the most, when they hear that word too much, they're gonna go, dad's not interested in being around us. Because he always tries, but he never gets there. He never gets there. So don't be someone who wants to serve people and impact other people's lives and start this, this path. Create in yourself, communicate with yourself, and stay focused on being that person you wanna be and get away from, I wouldn't say disappointing, but using those phrases that give you an out, mm. especially with those that you love the most. Because when you start doing that and the people around you know your, your, your desire is to get better and eliminate that, you're going to see some responses that will at times shock you because you're expecting one reaction from your kids and you get something totally different and you go, wow, I've really impacted that life in a positive way. 
And that's why I say the transformation you see in others, especially those you love the most, when they transform and see you're serious, it's going to impact you more and it will drive that desire within you to be a better person, husband, spouse, father, mother, leader, um, brother, sister, parent. It will drive you to be better from the inside out. And so when I say create, that's not a, that's not a short term deal. You have to decide to do that yourself. Um, and then communicate, communicate from the heart. And I think that's some of the things that, that are most important. That first, first chapter is we've shared some stories. We've talked about how we communicate. We talked about how we're going to fall short uh, at times. But that try word, um, I don't think I've eliminated completely out of my um, vocabulary. Um, but now I think I consciously use it when I don't want to do something and I don't want to say the word <laughs> no. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I don't, I, I, you know... I want to say I don't use it around my family, but they're the ultimate judge. Yeah. Yeah, whether I do or not. But um, that was an amazing, amazing 20, 30 minutes with that person. She was located up in Canada, and I, I'm out here in San Diego, and we spent some time uh, on the phone. And what's interesting, I learned later that within her company, uh, they had focused on teaching people about words like try. Mm. They were past the behaviors and into the words. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some, some work we've done with words and at, at some point we'll probably publish something a little bit new about that. But that was my first exposure to being very, very conscious about the words I use as a leader mm -hmm. and how toxic the word try can be. Yeah. 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 Well, Art, thank you so much. That was chapter one, and I think uh, our listeners can see that this isn't just a book about business. It's a book about life and the way we look at it and finding our why and finding our way. It, it really is about servant leadership in your life Yeah. and how it impacts those around you. And having it in your life and in your business at the same time is amazing feeling because the whys are the same. Mm -hmm. The whys are the same. And when that happens, um, it's just an amazing, amazing experience. So, yeah. uh, Carol, thank you for your servant's heart. I oh, love uh, hanging out with you so in our little studio here. And <laughs> uh, we'll look forward to talking about Chapter 2 Yeah. Uh, sometime in the next 30 days or so. Yeah, that sounds great. And before we sign off, I do want to remind you folks that um, if you have any questions at all uh, about what you just heard or any question about servant leadership, email those to us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com and we will happy, be happy to answer them over the air to you. Um, and in conclusion, we want to tell you today about two events that we've got coming up, and we are so excited about this. On uh, October 29th, 
we will be having our first paid webinar, and it will be an introduction to servant leadership taught by Mr. Art Barter. Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, we all are. Yep. It's going to be great. And then our second event is on November 7th, and this is a public workshop. Again, we'll be covering an introduction to servant leadership, and Art will be our teacher. And it will take place here at the Servant Leadership Institute headquarters in Carlsbad, California. So really looking forward to that. So a paid webinar, and then we also have a public workshop. And you can go on our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com in order to get more information and to register. What do you think about Look, that, I'm looking Mr. forward Barter? to it. Um, <laughs> The greatest thing for me uh, is I get to stay home to teach. <laughs> so, I, you know, in the next six weeks, I think I hit Pennsylvania, uh, I hit Washington, D.C., and uh, then I come back for uh, three days of training here in San Diego with uh, some really good fire departments here in North mm. County. So, um, I love doing training at home. I really yeah, do, yeah. and so uh, if you're able to attend, uh, come out to beautiful California, and if you're in some of those areas that already have snow, uh, I will guarantee you that you will not have snow in San Diego uh, during that time frame. So anyway, we'd love to have you join us. It's going to be a lot of fun in our training room here, and uh, looking forward to it because I think it's going to be a group of 20, 25 people probably, right, uh, right about that right. size. So. It's going to be fairly small, and that means that there's going to be a lot of fun right. and, a, and a lot of um, interaction uh, between myself and the people that are attending. So right. I'm looking forward to it. And keep in mind, if you cannot, for some reason, come in person, we have the paid webinar where you can be anywhere in the world and listen to Mr. Barter teach yep. on servant leadership. Looking forward to it. My so passion. thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you real soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.